The following podcast is part of the Joy Road Media family. Enjoy. Welcome to Camp Creep, a podcast focusing on anthology horror, starting with Tales from the Crypt. Hi, I'm your least favorite camp counselor, Tish Delano. And I'm the other one, Lauren Jewell. Hey. Hey, what's I'm so, up? I'm so close to you. <laughs> we're very close right now. We are we're mic sharing. Yes, well we are we're testing. So if you guys remember last week we were testing recording nowhere near each other, and this week we are testing the blue yeti because a reason. A very special reason. Very important reason. I mean, and what are your thirties all about if not experimentation, right? Hey. Right? hey So I guess let's jump right to it, Camp Counselor Tim. So one of the things I have for the bulletin board is that we did get not quite a correction, but more of a confirmation. One of our listeners, Odetta, was able to confirm that Lauren was right. It was Saw 2, where the chick fell in the pit of needles and turned out to be the apprentice for Jigsaw. So points to Lauren. Thank you. I wish I could remember what exactly the context was and how we ended (laughs) up with the Saw series a few weeks ago, but I'll take it. Not sure. I I never know how we get anywhere, nor do I remember anything that ever comes out of my mouth. But, you know, here we are. All right. And today we have a special guest camp counselor, Brian Papandria. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having me. You are very welcome. So, Brian is a Detroit based filmmaker and actor. He runs Rock Bottom Video. You may have heard us mention Rock Bottom Video once or twice, maybe, maybe a thousand times, because it happened to be in their last release, uh, Feaster Sunday. Don't know why my brain dropped that name, but... Because it's out of season. Because <laughs> it's out of season. Yeah. It's winter. Yeah. It is winter. I'm making no sales right now. Oh, oh. no. We'll be pushing hard before Easter, yes. man. We're going to plug hard. We were also in Sugar Plum together, mm-hmm. along with his incredibly beautiful wife, Sadie Tate. Weren't you two married in Sugar Plum? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he played my piece of shit husband. Mm-hmm. Oh, congratulations, yeah. guys. Yeah, and I played his overbearing wife. Yeah, we were headed oh. for divorce. But I had a sick mustache. You did. So. <laughs> he had a killer porn stash. It was great. Mm-hmm. Dope. Yeah, yeah. The filming of that was quite fun. We were in a garage. How, how hot would you say 95 it was? 95 degrees. Yes, 95 least. degrees in a garage. No ventilation because... You couldn't, because we were in the burbs in a neighborhood. Yeah. What was that, May? End of May? Something like that. Yeah, it was, it was hot ridiculously hot in Ohio that day. Yeah, yeah. And we were all hungover, too. Oh, yeah. no. That didn't yeah. help. Yeah, no, that mm-hmm. did not help anybody. And yeah, we all were getting tortured. It was awesome. It was awesome. It was actually a really fun time, with the exception of when you started throwing up, but, you know. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the blood went down his throat instead of out. And, oh. Yeah. I just have no gag reflex. It's just uh, anything that goes in my mouth. <laughs> Completely. I'm not even making a joke. It just all comes out. Oh, dear. <sighs> all right, and Brian is currently working on a new film called Spooky Dookie. Mm-hmm. That you will be in. Yes, somewhere. I will. Somewhere, somehow. You can be in it, too, oh, if you like. I would like that. So, Camp Counselor Lauren, you will be in it as well, somewhere. <laughs> Yay! Thank you. Yeah. Camp Counselor Lauren, special guest Camp Counselor Brian. Are you guys ready to go creeping through that crypt? I am... Creeping while you're sleeping. Let's do it. <laughs> Woo! All right. 
So, this is this week's Creeperosity. Though this episode of Tales from the Crypt is about a fictional murder, there was an eerily similar case in the 1980s in Sacramento, California. I got the following information from abc10.com. Dorothea Puente would drug her elderly, homeless, and disabled tenants, collected on their social security checks, and then buried them on her property. Police discovered the remains of seven bodies in her yard, and two other bodies were found in the Sacramento River, including that of her former boyfriend. There is a photo of Dorothea on the website, and if they made a movie about this woman, Betty White could have easily played her if she was still with us. Rest in peace, Betty. Ah, the best. Pour one out for Betty, just not on the carpet. Please not on the carpet. (laughs) If you are interested in learning more about this woman, other podcasts have covered the story in way more detail. My personal favorite being, and that's why we drink. Christine covers it in the 160th episode called Perry Hotter and a Choose Your Own Sad Venture. If podcasts aren't your thing, there is also a show called Murder House Flip on the Roku channel, and the first episode is about the house. It was a ride. Steven and I watched that, and that episode was so good. Disturbing, but good. Mm-hmm. And the people that live there now are so precious. Like, they're like <laughs> grandma and grandpa. Yeah. And they're adorable. Yep. It really doesn't really seem to phase them that people were, like, brutally murdered in their house. They know they don't have much time left. Right. So they kind of wanted we'll to join. join the spirits, maybe, and right. like, hey, we'll, we'll take you off to a, the <laughs> Netherlands where... <laughs> Wherever we go after, <laughs> or maybe they're they're part of the house after what whatever maybe, maybe. yeah maybe I could see that. Like, could you show see me that? the way? Right? Could you live in a murder house? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, not to get off topic by any means, but the the best I've ever slept in my life was uh-huh. on my honeymoon at the Stanley Hotel Beautiful. in Estes Park, Colorado. Nice. My wife said she she felt some activity, whatever. I felt nothing but relaxation. Mm-hmm. It was the best week of my life there. Yeah, Aww. never that's, slept better. Yeah, I think I told you about that too. Yes, um, that that's on my list of hun- of potential honeymoons. Definitely, yeah, you have to go there. Yeah, and it was like. Right in February, too. Mm -hmm. So it was snowy and cold, just like The Shining. (gasps) I took a bubble bath one of the nights, and there was a jacuzzi tub in our room. We stayed right next to the room that Stephen King stayed at Mm -hmm. uh, when he was inspired to write The Shining, you know, after all that cocaine and heavy booze. It happens. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Are we quoting Metalocalypse now? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Excellent. So to answer your question, I think I could live in a murder house. Okay. And I think I would sleep very well. I already have, because there's a lot of dead people in my old house. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I slept average, but I also lived there, so it's different right. than visiting. There were some people that died in the home I grew up in that my parents still live in. And, I mean, sure, I had some weird experiences, like getting grabbed in my basement a few times, and there was no one there. But other than that, it was fine. All right. This is Season 2, Episode 16, Television Terror. And this is your synopsis. This episode of Tales from the Crypt is based off of the 17th issue of the Haunt of Fear comic. Lights. Camera. Action! Welcome to Horton Rivers Live, hosted by Horton Rivers. Tonight, he'll be investigating a haunted house to see if it is actually haunted or not. It's not really haunted, right? Right? Camp Counselor Tish, right? It's not really haunted? Um... Anyways, shenanigans ensue, and everybody gets what they deserve. 
So this episode opens on the Crypt Keeper filming a home video. I honestly thought that the version I was watching was messed up because there's all this static in the beginning. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I kept flipping to different, like, oh, uh, no. different versions of it and they were all the same. I was like, Oh, this is this is a part of the episode. Okay, got it. In, in your defense, I probably should have given you that heads up, so I do apologize. <laughs> also, I, it's kind of like, remember the 90s? Remember camcorders? <laughs> remember like, static? Oh boy, yes I do. I do. So, we open to the actual episode on a still shot in the middle of the night to a creepy looking house. And we meet Horton Rivers, a TV host. He's filming a segment for Horton Rivers Live about Ada Ritter. Ooh. Who happened to murder 12 people and then herself inside of the house that he is standing in front of. She murdered her boarders for their social security checks. Then she dismembered them and then she buried them in a hole in the wall in her basement five years ago. The police were only able to find 12 of her victims, but they suspect more. So much like they are at the grand opening at a mall, Horton cuts the police tape and then the show goes to commercial. Commercial. And while they're on commercial, we get to meet a lot more people that are all participants and employees of this television station. Yes. So there's a production trailer and inside is Sam, the producer. And then we have two of the crew members, Booth and Lisa. And Boy, do they all hate Horton Rivers. I mean, Horton doesn't seem like a very nice dude, but that could just be because he just looks like a jerk. Yeah, but then we get confirmation that he's a jerk. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, if his teeth didn't give it away (laughs) automatically, then... Yeah. Yeah, he's got big old jerk teeth. (laughs) Producer Sam gets called outside, and Horton is a little bit of a diva and wants to know who the clown in the corner is, and Sam tells him that that is Roland, the psychic that he requested. Yeah, and he complains that he looks like a mortician. What do you expect a psychic to look like? They're all, like, they're either super Wicca, hippie, earthy, or goth. Every psychic that I can think of right now wears like vintage inspired clothing. Oh yeah, that yeah, that's uh-huh. I think the newest version of um I like these of ones psychics. The most. Who was yeah. the uh oh in like 99 2000 the Madame Cleo, right? Mrs. Mrs. Cleo. Mrs. Cleo. So that, yeah, that's <laughs> what now. I expect yes. a psychic to look like. Yes. I miss her. I called her once, actually. Are you serious? Yeah. I was uh, working at this place. I called her because <laughs> it was like my last day there and I called the 900 number and she told me that I was going to get fortune and rich and she's a fucking liar. <laughs> well, you have a it beautiful was... new home. You have a beautiful wife. <laughs> yes. You have talent. Yes. There it is. There you go. I'm Rich in love. You are. Oh, you are. Maybe you just misinterpreted her. <laughs> yes. You are slandering Miss Cleo. I wanted more. <laughs> so then Sam and Horton go over upcoming show themes. It's very clear this is very much a Jerry Springer-esque show. They are planning on booking ladies, some sex workers, for their segment on breast implants. He decides to go with the ones who were formerly nuns, and Sam informs him that's the closest he's ever going to get to heaven. I think that makes sense. Another option for next week's shows includes a couple that was in Paris and have photos of Jim Morrison having lunch with Marilyn Monroe that inspires Horton to write a parody of Hello, I Love You. It's not great. 
great. Nope. It's so bad that Sam says she thinks Horton will be the first person to be sued by a dead guy. My favorite part was when he said he was going to dress like Jim Morrison and be sure to put the sock down the front of his pants. Oh, not he that he need needed it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah let's go ahead, yeah. see it. No, uh, not that he needed it, as he told Sam. <laughs> and she would know because Horton reveals that they slept together. Ooh. Sleeping. Oh, Sleeping, together, yes, even. yes. Um, and that doesn't mean she gets a quote-unquote free ride. Uh, he criticizes her for not having that uh, killer instinct. He's being a real dick, especially considering that everybody can hear him. Everybody in the production crew now knows that they slept together. Oh, I didn't consider that part. Yes, what? yes. Uh-huh. So it makes him an extra asshole. Sam is not happy after leaving that interaction. No, I really feel like she mentally just punched him in the face multiple times. Well deserved. So then they go live again, and Horton interviews Roland, who tells Horton that the Ritter house is a pit of seething evil, and he wouldn't go in there even if you paid him. <laughs> He's like, nah, solid pass, my dude. And then they move on to finally entering this goddamn house. Yes, because Horton has ignored Roland's warning, you really shouldn't go in there. Horton introduces Trip, his faithful cameraman, who literally looks like an extra from Wayne's World. Mm -hmm. Yes. He looks like one of the camera dudes from Wayne's World. Before we continue, this is one of the few questions I have written down here for everybody. Sure. If you were a part of a paranormal investigation show, what would your job be? Start us off, special guest cam counselor Brian. Oh, I would just... I'd go in there full force and stare at them, stare at everything. That's what I did when I was at the the reformatory in, do you know, like the Shawshank Redemption prison? Oh, in yeah. Ohio, uh -huh, yeah. Reformatory. So they turned that into a haunted house, haunted attraction. I didn't give a shit about any of like the clowns or the haunted house <laughs> stuff. I was kind of going off on my own, just like looking at the old jail cells and mm -hmm, cell blocks. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to be in there the whole time. So like, would you- I didn't care. So I would go in first. I would be like the front. You'd be man. the leader. The, basically, I don't want to say it. The Leader, but I'll go in first if everybody's too scared. The can you're to the canary in the coal mine, basically. Absolutely. If the ghosts are That'll gonna kill anybody, me. it's gonna be Brian. Yes. See, I would like you to read this part. Who is the Zach Baggins? I bet it was Brian. Oh. And I no. feel like you just confirmed it. Oh no. <laughs> Kim Kessler Tish, what would what would your job be in a paranormal investigation show? Uh I well I've been asked to join some paranormal investigations, mostly because I own a camera and they're like, you could take good video footage. Uh so I feel like I would be the camera person. I could see that. That would be my role. Mm -hmm. I'd be the and I'd also then be the editor of when we find nothing, but like, can you add in some sound effects and moaning <laughs> and maybe like add in a shadow or two where because nothing happened? Womp womp. Just throw in some orbs. It'll be fine. <laughs> it's What's just yours? dust. Um, I think I would be a crew member of some sort. I would probably be Tish's assistant and like lugging everything right behind her or like reaching the top shelf of something if we wanted to put a light <laughs> up there. You wouldn't be uh, the psychic that just stays outside like, oh yeah, you got you got ghosts and poltergeists up there. <laughs> a very like, Midwest paranormal investigator. <laughs> oh, this is what oh, you need to do. Just go ahead and spray them with the ghost repellent. <laughs> well, I'm just gonna scoot right past you ghosts here. Uh -huh. Here's the ranch. So while they go in, Horton says a very cheesy, follow me if you dare line. And the camera producer guy is super annoyed. And I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, Booth is just so... He was done with Horton's shit clearly like years <laughs> ago. And he's just done. So done. So once they get inside, they find the house to be mostly empty. 
completely dark. There's some sheet cover furniture, which always freaks me out. When you see that in movies, when somebody enters like an abandoned house, I'm like, so nobody ever bothered to like take the stuff out. We're just gonna, we're just gonna leave this here covered in sheets. That's cool. Yep. Nope. Not creepy at all. I also have a complaint. It's very clean in there. There's like no dust. Exactly. Yes. I did notice that too. There's rats. There are rats in the kitchen. Needs more cobwebs to be more believable. Yeah. So Horton guides them into the kitchen where Ada would prepare her boarders their final meals. (laughs) And he gets spooked by some rats. Much to the crew's delight. Oh, yes. Trip also, though, looks terrified of the rats, and I don't understand. I also don't understand that he picked up a kitchen knife, and doesn't that count as evidence? Or no, because it's been five years. You would think, though, that the cops would have taken all of the knives. Since we do later see in a, fl- in a quick little flashback that she stabbed them, you think police procedure 101 is you take every knife, because you've got to identify which one, so why was there a knife left behind? Mm-hmm. Plot hole. There's many of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they only got 20 minutes, so. That's true. That's very keep true. Keep going. Then, much like I just said, we get that flashback of Ada stabbing an elderly man in the chest just as Horton enters the game room. He thinks he sees something in the shadows, but alas, it's just more sheet-covered furniture. Or is it? Dun-dun-dun. There is another flashback while they open the basement door of a man being pushed and falling down them, landing among other dead dudes. Horton refers to Ada as the Smiling Matron of Death, which I think is our new band name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're yep. in a band now. Yep. We started a band. I sing and play tambourine. I want the guitar. <laughs> yes. Or drums. Theremin. Yes. Yes! yes. <laughs> Best band ever! <laughs> I can just phone it in completely. Right? <laughs> You're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I just do this thing and it makes noise. So, yes, the basement is a dank, claustrophobic hell, Horton's words. And this is where Ada chopped up the corpses and stacked their body parts neatly behind the wall. We get a nice shot of the creepy hole in the wall in the basement. By the way, that's that's how Stephen got me. We mentioned the last episode. I met Stephen at an art show. That's how he got me to come back to his house. He asked if I wanted to see the murder hole in his basement. Huh. And I said yes. Was that code for something or no? No, there an was an actual murder hole. There were literally it brought flashbacks because it literally looked like this hole. Like there, he takes me down to his basement and there is a big ass hole in the cement wall. And he's like, I don't know what's in there. I don't know why this hole's there, but it's here. And it wasn't until we were walking away that I realized there was like a little like sledgehammer next to the hole in the wall. And I remember thinking like, huh, he could have just murdered me and shoved my body into that hole. He's a good man for not doing that. (laughs) And thus, love was born. So to go with your murder hole, I also have a story for both of you. (laughs) You have a murder hole story too? I do. A haunted murder hole. Ooh. So I do know somebody, or at least I used to know this person, who has a legitimately haunted house in Mm -hmm. Michigan. And one day they were having like a Halloween party and we went downstairs to the basement because he wanted to show us something. And there's this giant hole in the cement wall. And it was big enough to like crawl into. And inside of it was a chair, a creepy ass looking chair. So this person went inside of the hole, sat down in it. And when he stood back up, he had a very beautiful, freshly like scratch mark on him. He did not have nails. So I don't know where it came from, but that is my little side quest story. Huh. So moral of the story, don't go near creepy murder holes Mm -hmm. in basements. Was it a rocking chair? Or just a regular chair? Regular chair. Okay. Rocking chairs are terrifying. They are. That's why I'm wondering. Like, he feels like a wicker chair and oh, it was dark. He didn't see. Those can scratch you up. It's true. It's true. true. I'm the naysayer. 
of the group. Like, <laughs> no, there's no ghosts. The skeptic. There's no the ghosts skeptic. here. Yeah, 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 you hit yourself on some rocks. <laughs> so Horton then questions Ada's motives. Was it really all about the money? Was she? Did she just have a general bloodlust? And then they go to commercial break. This is when Sam tells Horton that the network wants him to pick up the pace. Let's get keep this moving. They don't want another Al Capone's vault. Are you guys familiar with the whole Al Capone's vault fiasco? I know you're we're the that same was, age. Um, that was Geraldo's. Geraldo, yeah. yes. I know it was something that people looked into, but I know it was disappointing. So I pulled from mentalfloss.com. On April 21st, 1986, nearly 30 million viewers tuned into The Mystery of Al Capone's Vault, a live primetime excavation hosted by Geraldo Rivera that promised to dig deep into the catacombs of the criminal's hotel hideout in Chicago's South Side for two hours live. Riviera shouted over power tools, ignited dynamite, took target practice with submachine guns, and teased the possibility of finding money, weapons, or corpses of Capone's rivals, and they found absolutely nothing but dirt and a bottle. That's it. (laughs) That's it. That's all they found. It was a huge bust, but it did kick off. It's what they credit as kicking off Geraldo's career. He had a couple more specials after that, and then he got his show, which ran for a long period of time. So, eh. So while Sam and Horton are talking to each other, there is a rant that Horton goes on complaining about the producers and how Horton's out here doing all these things while they're busy eating quiche. You know, we are quite fond of quiche on this podcast. It's great. I love quiche. (laughs) It was this... Yeah, it's a long story. We really love (laughs) on this podcast. So Horton asks, as they come upstairs, what am I supposed to do to spice this up with? And suddenly he hears a ghostly voice start moaning and saying, help me. Seems legit. Now, if you two were in a haunted house, would you investigate further or would you get the fuck out of there? You know my answer. (laughs) Yes, of course. (laughs) You would have to. I'd go in the bathtub myself. Oh, Jesus. And that's the point where I go, well, this is some white nonsense. And I turn around and I sit outside and wait. That's the spirit. Yep. I'm following suit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the canary. I'll go right in there. (laughs) And I'll open up the window. I'm like, oh, you guys got to see this. There's fucking (laughs) blood everywhere. Come on in. Oh, no. So Tripp and Horton go upstairs, and Horton is still on the phone with the producers, and everything looks pretty normal for now. But there is some weird static interference on Tripp's camera. Yes, Booth notices that the feed is starting to go in and out, so Tripp has to start troubleshooting the joys of filming live. I hate it. Sam can hear Horton's mic picking up the sound of dripping water, which doesn't make any sense. The utilities have been off for years, so that place should be bone dry. So Horton goes to the bathroom and opens the door to find a man in the bathtub with his throat slashed. So he freaks the fuck out. They're like, what did you see? He tells them. He grabs Trip. They open the door and the room is empty. Yeah, totally normal. Nothing, nothing strange to see here, folks. But then shit starts to go down. Doors are rattling, things are falling, there's blood on the walls, and Horton real quick jumps in front of the camera to get the psychic Roland to talk to him again to see if he can explain what exactly they're experiencing here. Roland the psychic says that a impression has been recorded and it plays over and over again, which I feel like is a very accurate description of hauntings as far as I can tell. Um, I do not have any legitimate scientific research for you campers, <laughs> but I'm going to say this is legit. 
Horton asks him if they are in any danger, and he responds with, You were in danger the moment you crawled through the threshold. Ooh. Did they really crawl, though? I feel like they just walked in. Yeah, I felt he more sauntered through the threshold, Mm. but you know. He peacocked his way in. There we go. So Horton tries to leave the room, but the door he tries is locked, and he hears more moaning, and it's getting louder and louder. So he orders Booth, call the authorities. Someone is clearly in this house with him, because he refuses to believe that this house is haunted. I could totally see this happening to you, Brian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> how does that make you feel? Uh, write a book about it. Nice. Right. I don't know how much Trip is being paid to be here and doing all of this recording, but it is not enough. No, no, it is not remotely enough. Sam, at this time, back in the production trailer gets a call from the network. They said, keep it going. This is hot shit. The phones are ringing off the hook. Keep filming. So next, Horton notices blood on the floor and he asks Trip to capture it. And then we see a set of feet dangling behind Horton. Those would belong to Trip. Oh, he did. Yeah, he very did. And he's hanging from the ceiling. So then the question has to be asked, who has the camera? Ghosts! Ghost over there! A ghost over here! A ghost right behind you! Yes, ghost, ghost cameraman! Uh, so ghost cameraman has the camera, and suddenly Horton is surrounded by very pissed off ghosts. And Sam, oh man, Sam is just lapping it up. She is loving seeing terrified Horton. And really enjoying watching his suffering, which, I mean, mood. <laughs> Horton is screaming, there are ghosts, it's a bad time, he wants to get out, it's Sam's call. And Sam tells Booth, keep him there, the ratings are through the roof. Booth and Lisa look super, super uncomfortable, because I think as much as they were enjoying his suffering before, I think they're starting to realize, like, Trip is dead, um... Something's wrong Something's here. really wrong, and as much as we hate this guy, like, uh, this might- we might be taking this too far. So Horton falls into one of the rooms where the ghost of Ada is waiting for him, With a chainsaw. What a lovely welcome committee. I love this boarding house. Horton is screaming for help, but Sam tells Horton that they have to keep him in there, as the ratings are way too high and sounds cold, I know, but you gotta have that killer instinct, right? Hang in there, babe. I love Sam. I do too. Anyways, Horton gets cut up with the chainsaw a bunch of times and then falls out the window with the curtain wrapped around his neck and he spends the rest of the episode hanging out. Hey, hey, hey And oh, this was all caught on live television. Back in the production trailer, the phones start ringing off the hook as Sam, Booth, and Lisa look on in horror. Sam leaves the trailer to see for herself Horton's dangling dead body as Horton's promo voiceover plays. Hey folks, what's it like to have sex with Satan? Meet four women and one man who say they have on the next edition of Horton Rivers Live. (laughs) Thank you. Beautiful. Simply beautiful. I just need to cap my teeth and then I could. Right, then you'll really get that. that Chain smoke for like a good solid like three hours to real get that meatiness to your voice. Oh dear. Well, I'm working on it. Right. (laughs) And back at the crypt, Crypt Keeper uh, refers to Horton as a real swinger. Hey. Lots of puns. So many puns, but here's what truly matters Camp Counselor Tish. Yes. Did you notice something about the Crypt Keeper? Did you notice that he had his little feetsies up and he was having a good time watching the TV? We know you love the Crypt Keeper feetsies. (sighs) 
Yes, those. I just want to put like one of those foot masks on them. You know, have you ever oh, done those? So nice. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah where your feet, your feet, like a week later, your foot, like your whole foot peels off, and that was me up, last week. It yep. was great. Mm. Yep, I did one recently, but it wasn't a peel off one. And I was like, well, what was the point? <laughs> this is disappointing. It didn't burn. My feet didn't peel. What was even the point? Oh, they're so smooth afterwards too. <laughs> Ridiculous. Oh god. Are you looking for a new podcast to listen to? Are you looking to fill your library up? Well, then you found me. Hi, my name is Michaela and I'm the host of Murder Squared. Here we talk about the solved, the unsolved, the missing, the murdered, and pretty much anything and everything in between. Murder Squared is available on all major podcasting platforms. So, if you're ready, get squared away and let's talk murder. All right, and it's time for everybody's favorite segment, Who's That Ghoul? This episode was directed by Charlie Picerny, or Picerny. Could not find a good proper pronunciation, but we're going to go with Picerny. Plus, I just like saying Picerny. Okay. <laughs> Okie dokie, then. He was a construction worker turned director, background actor, and stuntman slash stunt coordinator. He started his Hollywood career in the early 60s as a background actor and stuntman. He got his big break on Starsky and Hutch as both stuntman and stunt coordinator, and eventually became a director on the show. As a director, he's directed shows such as T.J. Hooker and Spencer for Hire. As a stuntman slash coordinator, he has over 376 credits. Goddamn. Yeah. So this is merely a snippet. I just skimmed it to, like, pull a few things. Um, Seems like he doesn't say no to a job. No, no. You present him with something like... Where am I? Where I gotta be? Yep. You want to blow me up? Sure. Cool. I'm down. So he worked on Batman. I'm talking about the original Batman with Adam West. Aww. Yeah, and Burt Ward. The OG Incredible Hulk show. You know, with the incredibly sad ending theme song. <laughs> Charlie's Angels. Knight Rider. The A Team. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Die Hard Two. Lethal Weapon Two and Three. Tales from the Crypt more than just this episode. While he did direct this episode, he did a lot of the stunts for other episodes. And Jason X. Somehow one of my favorites. Is that the one in space? Yes, it's Jason okay. in space. It's so it's so bad, it's good. I love it. I think the remake is more pan, to be honest. That's true. I but. think once, yeah, that was the that was the least favorite, and then the remake happened, and then that became the least mm-hmm. favorite. I do, I love Jason X. I do it's too. It's great. It's such a, oh, beautiful. All right, and then we have... Horton Rivers, played by Morton Downey Jr., the whole reason that you're here. That's right. (laughs) I saw this when I was a very young lad, where I would sneak to watch HBO at night, and this one came on, I don't know when I was, if it was like in 1990 or 91, I must have been 10, and yeah, it scared the shit out of me back then, because (laughs) like I I thought, yes, ghosts are real, and that's what happens when you go into a haunted house. Yeah, yeah. chainsaws, there's curtains. Exactly. Yes. So, and Morton Downey Jr. really stuck out to you, correct? 
Yes, in this, but I had no idea who he was yeah. at the time. Yeah, because we were, yeah, we were kids. Mm-hmm. So Sean Morton Downey Jr. He dropped the Sean part of his name when he started in showbiz. Started his career as a program director and announcer at a Connecticut radio station in the 1950s. He quickly dropped his first name and became Doc Downey, a radio personality. He ended up resigning as a DJ after announcing a competing DJ's home phone number and making offensive remarks about his wife on the air. Well, yep. In the late 1950s, he pursued a music career and recorded songs such as Boulevard of Broken Dreams, and here you all thought that was just a Green Day song, and Green-Eyed Girl. In the 1980s, he ran for president as a Democrat on a pro-life platform. (laughs) What? Yeah, 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 yep. What is this man? Yeah. Later in the 1980s, he became a talk show host. His first job as a talk show host was at KFB. BKAM in Sacramento until he was fired and replaced with Rush Limbaugh. He then went on to have stints on other stations until 1987 when he started the Morton Downey Jr. Show. It started as a local show in New Jersey, but eventually became a national phenomenon. His show was then canceled in 1989 after he faked an attack by neo-Nazis. Yes. At an airport, right? Yes, at an airport in a bathroom. Yeah. He claims they painted a swastika on his face and tried to shave his head. They figured out it wasn't real when the swastika was backwards. Mm-hmm. So clearly he had done it in a mirror to himself. He was able to parlay his fame, though, into some acting roles, obviously Tales from the Crypt, but also Predator 2, Revenge of the Nerds 3. And after being a well-known chain smoker for his career, I guess on his talk show, he chain smoked. He was always had a cigarette in his hand. He sadly died of lung cancer on March 12th, 2001. And he did do a lot of speaking out against smoking and the tobacco industry about how they lied and da da da. He was a big advocate of the anti-smoking campaigns after his cancer. Even in the 80s, though, they would have warnings on cigarettes, right? So the Surgeon General's warning on cigarettes was in 1969. The Public Health Smoking Act of 1969 required all cigarette packaging contained the statement, warning, the Surgeon Surgeon General has determined that cigarette smoking is dangerous to your health. This warning label appeared on cigarette packaging from November 1st, 1970 through October. I don't know why it says through October. I'm sure there's probably more to that thing I just found on the internet, but um, here we are. I think in the 90s, they updated it, though, and I think there's a more detailed, like, you're gonna die! Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't do it! So that is Morton Downey Jr. The rest of the Who's That Ghouls are pretty short. Sadly, I'm just gonna spoil alert, there are no after-school specials. I know, I'm disappointed, too. This angers me. Greatly. I love after school specials. So we have Sam, played by Dorothy Park. She started her acting career in 1985. She had some reoccurring roles on 21 Jump Street and Full House. She appears to have quit acting in 1991, and I could find no further information about her. Very sad, because I liked her in this episode. I thought she was good. Kind of sad she didn't get a bigger career than that. But hopefully whatever she's doing, Dorothy, I hope you're happy. Anywho, then we have Roland the Psychic, played by Warren Burton. He started acting in 1973, got his big break in the soaps. So for all of you old school soap fans out there, this is a doozy. All right. He played Eddie Dorrance in All My Children, Jason Dunlap on Another World, Warren Andrews on Guiding Light, and Philip Hamilton slash Jack on Santa Barbara. Also, he went on to play Mitch Henry in the 1994 updated adaptation of the Jacqueline Suzanne novel, Valley of the Dolls. Hmm. I That caught my eye because Brian's wife 
wife is a Sharon Tate impersonator. Valley of the Dolls is our favorite film. And I did no idea that they did a TV show adaptation in the 90s. Oh, yeah. She has it. Does she? Okay. I'm going <laughs> to have she does. Yeah. I'm, we're, her, her and I are going to have to have plan a date to watch that. She because says it's awful, but is uh, it? Oh, she I has imagine. to own it. He sadly passed away on October 2nd, 2017. That's my birthday. Aww. Oh, happy birthday. You're the dead guy. Yep. And he's a psychic. <laughs> yeah. Hey. So maybe we're connected. I mean, he was in Valley of the Dolls, so you I mean, know? there is a, the, it's all connected, guys. I see a coming together. And then we have Booth, played by Peter Van Norden. He's a Broadway actor turned screen actor. He got his start in film in 1979, had some guest roles on Cheers, TJ Hooker, Life Goes On, Wings, Without a Trace, and he played Ralph Brentner in The Stand. All four episodes, baby. Still have not watched the recent remake of it. It's on the list. And our last entry for Who's That Ghoul is Ada Ritter. Ada Ritter is played by Jeannie Epper. Jeannie is a stunt woman who started her career in 1964. It's a long time to be doing stunts. She has done stunts for films such as Soylent Green, Blazing Saddles, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Poltergeist, Vamp, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, and Kill Bill 2. That's very impressive. Yeah, yeah. She had she had like 164 stunt credits, and she's done some background acting too, but nothing major. So I thought it was cool that they hired a stunt woman to do the role of Ada, especially since, you know, swinging around a chainsaw. Heard lots of stories from the behind the scenes of Texas Chainsaw Massacres that turns out chainsaws are really heavy. Mm-hmm. In Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, the guy playing Leatherface could not lift the chainsaw above his head. Oh, no. Yep. So they had to hire a stuntman to do it. <laughs> or stunt woman. Mm-hmm. They could have had a stunt woman, as Jeannie Epper proves. She knew what she was doing with that chainsaw. She did. Also, she had worked with the director. They did stunts on some films together. And that is this episode's Who's That Ghoul? Do do. And now for the very important question. Special guest Cam Counselor Brian. Yes. Cam Counselor Tish. Yes. Did you two like this episode? You want to go first? I'll go first. Okay. Yes. I loved this episode. This episode is just another great example of the things that I like about Tales from the Crypt. I legitimately didn't think this episode, you know, I went into it not knowing anything about the episode, aside from the few things you told me. And I was genuinely like, there were times I was like, oh, oh. I mean, it doesn't help. I watched it late at night, but I was like, ooh, I was like, this is spooky. I love it. But there was still humor. Felt it was really well balanced. I give it two severed thumbs up. Okay. <laughs> I'm My answer is going to be a little bit longer than okay. yours. Yeah, but... that's fine. Mine's always really short. <laughs> so, like I said, I saw it at a very young age and it's terrifying. So it stayed with me for the last 30 years or so. And then recently rewatching it doesn't really hold up. From what I remember, mm-hmm. I feel like everything was so fast, but that's just the nature of the show, of course. It, it's my favorite episode still, but it totally could have been a movie on itself, just mm-hmm. like how they did Demon Knight. 
this has the world building to do that of a live episode or something like that. Kind of, I guess that's what they did with WNUF Halloween special. I've never oh, yeah. seen it, but <laughs> it's I, good. I have an idea. That's it's basically the same thing. Yes, in a way. Not to say that they stole or anything like that, but <laughs> I still do love it. They could have taken their time more because once they get into the house, then all the spooky shit starts happening, and then before you know it, it's over. Now it's terrifying to start with, especially if you're at a young age and you're just watching that. But now it's goofy, and now of course I know more about like filmmaking yeah. and techniques and pacing and makeup and everything like that. But of course I love it for Morton Downey Jr. And if you haven't seen Evocator, Evocator? Evocateur. Evocateur. <laughs> That's the documentary all about Morton Downey Jr., his rise to fame and everything. All the crazy shit he did in his talk show. I recommend you and your audience to seek it out. It's fantastic. He's such an asshole <laughs> in the show, but you can tell he's playing a character. He's getting the audience all riled up. He had Lloyd Kaufman on his show oh, once. For real? Yeah, it was, uh, so it was 88, so that might have been, um, Toxie 2 okay. or Kabuki Man. I, I can't remember exactly, but he had Lloyd and Michael Hers on, and he only brought them out there so that they could talk about their movies and just scream at them and say how they're poisoning society. He oh, got no. the audience to turn against Lloyd. And Lloyd was just being a professional, talking about his stuff. And this maniac is screaming at him, blowing smoke in his face. He kicked Lloyd off. It's been so long since I've seen the episode. But he said, you make me sick and your movies are trash. Get out of my show. And he kicks oh, him off. Oh, Lloyd is so sweet. You oh, guys. So and he had a beard. He looked like a, a respectful filmmaker yeah. in the 80s. Oh. It's not the Lloyd Kaufman you know now. No. <laughs> but yes. To answer your question, I do still love this episode very much to sever thumbs, but more so now for nostalgic purposes mm -hmm. and uh, Morton Downey Jr. Check him out. Check out some clips on his YouTube, you know, old, old video, whatever survived, basically. Yeah. Go down the rabbit hole. Oh, that is a rabbit hole <laughs> that I will definitely be going down. <laughs> All right, Cam Counselor Lauren, what about you? Did you like the episode? I agree with both of you. Two severed thumbs up. I think it is the perfect level of cheesiness. I thought the effects were really nicely done. I really enjoyed all of the, oh, we're opening a door and here's a flashback. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. thought that was really clever, especially because it wasn't until the last like five minutes or so that the ghosts truly made themselves known. So following suit, two severed thumbs up. And it wasn't until I got into the Who's That Ghoul that I realized that Morton Downey Jr. wasn't like a famous actor, you know, who's famous for other stuff. I thought he did a great job. And, I mean, granted, he was playing he was playing himself, himself in a way. his persona, at least. But like, I thought he did a good job. Like, you know, not every episode has real strong actors in it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but this is an episode where I thought everybody did a great job. Yeah, like, yeah, the pacing was a little rushed and stuff. But I liked the story, you know, so good job. Tales this, from the Crypt. This is exactly why I wish that more episodes were an hour long. I think the only hour long episode was the Zemeckis war episode called Yellow. I hate that episode and <laughs> I am dreading getting to it. It's it's a slow burn. You know, it's basically like the Crypt's version of Paths of Glory. I'd like to rewatch it actually, but I have not seen that one in a long time. Oh. But yeah, they should all be an hour long episode. At least yeah. five minutes. Yes. But at the time, you know, you only got a half hour on HBO and you couldn't show nudity and blood. Yeah. So that's really what you were tuning in for. Yeah. Back in my day, it yeah. was on Sci-Fi Channel yeah. and there 
there were no boobs. Yeah. Well, oh, no. yeah the, the first episode has boobs, a lot of boobs, and then we don't see. We I see start. a lot of butt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know that. I mean, I think it's a while before we see boobs again. I, I like, and then they didn't show blood for a long time until cutting cards. No, no, we got a lot of blood during the perfect honeymoon. Episode. Oh, that's right. Lover yeah. come hack to me. There yes. was a shit ton of blood. That's and we, right. That's when we saw the dude's butt. Yes. Ooh, really nice butt. Yes. That we saw blood, but we didn't see actual gore until cutting cards when they cut off the fingers. Right. Like testing the waters as the episodes go along and seeing how far they can push the boundary of what HBO would let them do. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, campers, thank you for listening this week with our special guest camp counselor, Brian. Camp Creep Podcast is a Joy Road Media Podcast. Check out the other Joy Road Media Podcasts, such as The Burt Selleck Show, Great Lakes Confidential, The Truth Cast, Dead Waves, and You Made Me Watch. You can listen to any of these podcasts where you found this one. And yes, a super special thank you to Brian from the bottom of our dark and shriveled little hearts. Thank you very much. Please be sure to check out Rock Bottom Video. You can purchase any of the features from Rock Bottom Video at rockbottomvideo.storeenvy.com, including Easter Sunday, where you will find me. And you uh, are modeling some t-shirts. I am. Yes, you can well. get Rock Bottom t-shirts. You can find Brian on Instagram at rockbottomvideo2000. He's on Facebook, just as Brian Papandria. And he does not have a Twitter or a TikTok. He's re- he's resisting. Mm-hmm. He's a resistant elder millennial. Proud of you. Thanks. Yep. Keep it up. 40s are kind to me. <laughs> yes. And be sure to keep your eye out for Spooky Dookie and any screenings of Feaster Sundays. It's st- it's still getting screenings at conventions, right? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I, I haven't been pushing it, but I, I want to push it this coming Easter because last year it was the COVID Easter. Mm. So I had to cancel my world premiere due to yeah. my own covid Yes. <laughs> So this year, we'll we'll redo it. Yes, I'm very much looking forward to the premiere. And if you want to find us online, we're at Camp Creep Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And on Twitter, we're simply Camp Creep Pod. And you can always shoot us an email at campcreeppodcast at gmail.com. Follow us wherever you listen to your podcast and be sure to leave us a review. And as always, campers, Creep Creep It it real. Real!